Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Today is December 29th, and the Blue Jays are finally making some moves to help their team, as well as Seattle, who adds a big bat. Let's talk about it. Hello, everybody. My name is Steven. This is the middle of the order. How are we doing today, ladies and gentlemen? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to those who celebrated. Uh, We're past that officially, kind of towards the end of the holiday season, three days away from 2024. New Year's is upon us. Uh, This is going to be the last episode of 2023, which is pretty crazy. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, I'm excited for today's episode. There's not a whole lot on the agenda, uh, but there is some fun stuff to talk about, uh, obviously going with the Blue Jays and Seattle first. Uh, but we've got a couple other signings from a couple other teams to go into as well. And we still have a whole slew of top-end free agents still out there on the market market as we enter uh, into 2024, January with uh, spring training kind of looming, February 22nd. It's uh, not th- that far away anymore. So uh, we got to get started here, dive right on into it. So let's do it and start by talking about the Toronto Blue Jays and the two players they have signed, uh, starting with a re-sign as Kevin Kiermeyer is coming back to Toronto on a one-year $10.5 million deal. Um, what a fan favorite this guy turned out to be after spending 10 years with a division rival in Tampa. Kevin came over and had a very great impression on the Toronto fans. And <coughs> he didn't play half bad either. Uh, he won a gold glove for the Jays last year. Uh, in his age 33 season, made some great catches out there in center field. His OPS was 741. He hasn't had that high of an OPS since 2017 with Tampa. So uh, he had a very good year offensively there. Uh, 98 hits, 21 doubles, 8 home runs, his most since 2019. Uh, and then 36 RBIs, 14 stolen bases. Basically, he had a very good season, uh, you know, going back since, you know, 2019, 2018, 2017 time. Uh, the beginning of the decade with Tampa in the 2020s hasn't been too favorable for Kevin Kiermaier, but uh, last year with Jays, it was a very good bat, uh, batting in that bottom of the lineup there, batting ninth most of the time, and uh, easy to get rewarded here by coming back for a year, and I'm sure... Blue Jays fans are happy with that, and he was a, a great addition. He went already on Instagram to really talk to the Blue Jays fans and, and say how happy he is to come back. Uh, so, the f- <coughs> excuse me. So the four-time Gold Glove and Platinum Glove winner uh, in Kiermaier is coming back to Toronto, but he's not the only team from a division rival who is joining the Blue Jays lineup, as they have also signed IKF Isaiah Kaina Fala. Falafa, excuse me, uh, to a two-year, $15 million deal. Uh, now, this move, to me, is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, obviously, you know, IKF is extremely versatile. Last year with the Yankees, he played every single position but catcher and first base. That's right. He played all of the outfield, played second, third, and short, and he even pitched an inning or two. 
uh, for the Yankees as well. Um, IKF is a defense first guy. You don't uh, you don't sign him for the bat. You don't pay him for the bat because in his six years in the major leagues, four with Texas and two with New York, he has yet to strike OPS over 700. The best being in 2020, the shortened year when his OPS was 699. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so one point off there. But those bat numbers do not scare you much at all. Last year with New York in his age 28 season, 79 hits, 12 doubles, uh, 6 home runs. Very underwhelming at the bats. But like I said, his defense is extremely well. Um, I guess from bigger picture, just off the rip, he's going to be playing third base for the Blue Jays. Kind of replacing Matt Chapman. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they might try to do like a, a platoon situation with Biggio and Davis Schneider at second base, um, depending on the day, and then have IKF at third for his defense. It, it, it's a bit of a head-scratcher decision, if I'm being honest with you, especially for two years. If it's a one-year deal, you can kind of make sense. Uh, but two years is a little interesting there. Uh, maybe the Blue Jays see something in the bat that they can figure out. Obviously, the Rogers Center is a good heritage-friendly ballpark, but... Um, uh, no, Kevin Kiermaier, we said the same thing uh, last year as well, how he was kind of hitter-friendly, or excuse me, defense-friendly, but, you know, hitting he wasn't the strongest. Uh, and he turned his bat around a little bit last year, so maybe the Blue Jays are hoping the same from IKF. Um, obviously, he spent the last two years with New York after being uh, a key piece in the trade that sent Donaldson over to the Yankees as well. Um so, yeah, so I guess we'll leave it at that. The Blue Jays make some big decisions. Um, but there has to be more if you're Toronto, I guess, because, I mean, you've been in talks with Shohei. You know, you were part of the trade talks with Juan Soto, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, all these, like, top-end players, and they signed Kevin Kiermaier and IKF. You know, they've obviously lost a lot of high-end talent. But uh, I think you still need to go and make some moves if you're Toronto. Like I said, there's still a lot of top-end free agents out there. Do you still go after Bellinger? Um, is Matt Chapman realistic anymore? You know, I think they're needing a bat still. Uh, maybe it's J.D. Martinez. Maybe it's Joey Votto. I don't know. But, uh, you know, to be connected with all these top-end guys and to come out with Kiermaier and IKF, I think Blue Jays fans are still um, hungry for a little bit more off-season moves, but at least the Blue Jays are off the clock, and they have finally made some moves uh, to get their team going for 2024. All right, now let's talk about one of the bigger moves and signings that happened this past week, and that is Mitch Garver. He's signing a deal with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, it's a two-year, $24 million deal, plus a mutual option for 2026 for $12 million as well. Uh, Mitch Garver kind of had a, a turnaround towards the end of last year with Texas. Obviously, is a 2023 World Series champion. Uh, he's also a silver slugger in 2019 with the Twins, part of that Bomba Squad era. He spent his first five years with the Twins before spending the last two with Texas. Um... And then in all of his seasons, the only time he's ever played over 100 games has been in 2018. 
So small sample size here, but last year with the Rangers in 87 games, 80 hits, 19 home runs, 50 RBIs, good for an OPS of 870. Um, is a catcher, but can also DH, did a little bit of both for Texas. Uh, and he's been doing so ever since his days, uh, making his debut in 2017. Um, this move is a good move for Seattle to get a bat into that lineup. Um, obviously, they're trying to stray away from strikeout numbers, something that Garver can do decently. Last year, he only struck out 82 times. But like I said, he only played in 87 games, essentially averaging a strikeout a game. Um, but yeah, when you're looking at the numbers and everything, you can't really say that he can or cannot. In 2022 with Texas, he played in 54 games and he struck out 53 times. Going back to 2021, 68 games with the Twins, 71 strikeouts. So <coughs> it's a... <coughs> excuse me. Wow. Uh, it's a good move for Seattle, who has lost a lot and is kind of being watched as a what-are-you-doing kind of team right now because I am enthralled by the decisions Seattle has made over the years, uh, especially particularly the last kind of like few months. Um, but Mitch Garver is a nice add there. The only question I have now is um, what do you do with Cal Raleigh, who is Seattle's catcher? Like, is does Mitch Garver just get solely placed into the DH role? Uh, and let Cal do his thing. Now, Cal, obviously, like Mitch Garver, is a catcher, has also DH'd. Uh, he actually finished 18th in MVP voting last year, which is very interesting, but he is a very good catcher and had a very strong year for Seattle. Uh, a 762 OPS, 119 hits, though, 30 home runs and 75 RBIs. Basically, a career year for Cal Raleigh in what was his third season, a young catcher there for Seattle. Um, and I expect Cal, and he's a switch hitter too, so I expect Cal to be taking most of the time behind the plate. You know, Mitch Garver, his defense can get a little sloppy sometimes. Frame jobs aren't really there. So it makes more sense for Cal Raleigh to be a uh, the catcher and for Mitch Garver to do the DHing. Um, but that kind of just kind of blocks up your DH, and if you have both of them in the line at the same day, and one of them gets hurt, then you end up losing. Well, if Kyle Raleigh gets hurt, I guess as the catcher gets hurt, you have to move Mitch Garver over, and you kind of lose your DH spot for that day. Uh, it's always the kind of hard thing to do and to decide when you have two catchers who are good, if you can play them both. Obviously, the first thing that comes to my mind that does this is the Blue Jays. They have usually Danny Jansen by the net plate and Alejandro Kirk in the DH spot. And it can work, but it also can create some challenges there. And it also clogs up that DH spot if Seattle goes out and makes any other moves because you can't really play Garver anywhere else. I don't know if they're going to teach him first base or not. Um, but overall, it's a good decision by Seattle if they can figure out the whole catcher DH situation who plays what, because obviously, <coughs> even though you're playing Garver $12 million a year, Kyle Raleigh is your better catcher. He had a phenomenal year in 2023, getting 3.2 career war in that year, Bring up his total to 6.6, .6, so nearly doubling his war in a single season. And like I said, career numbers throughout, no matter where you look, highest in games, most hits, runs, doubles, 
you know, tied for triples, home runs, RBIs, all of it was career highs. Um, so a very strong year for Kyle Raleigh. He is the better catcher, but Mitch Garver's bat does help out, does create uh, a little bit of difference there and does some protection for guys like Julio in that lineup, depending on how uh, Seattle wants to use him. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes for 2024. But at least Seattle, as well as making some decisions to kind of replace guys they've lost, like Kellenick in the trade, and obviously Hernandez to free agency. All right, moving along now, let's talk about the Chicago White Sox, as they have made a couple of signings here. Let's start with Martin Maldonado coming over uh, from Houston. He signs a one-year, $4 million deal with the White Sox. And, I mean, what a career for Maldonado uh, in what will be his 14th year in the majors, going from, you know, teams like Houston, uh, Milwaukee, the Angels, the Royals, even the Cubs for a short stint in 2019 as well. Uh, he has bounced around from team to team. This will be his seventh team. One, two, three, nope, his sixth team uh, in the White Sox. Obviously, played his most and spent his most time in Houston, especially the last couple of seasons there. Uh, but he is a defense guy, one of the best defensive catchers in the game. He uh, has great uh, frames behind the plate, works really hard at those. Uh, so, you know, overall, it's a good catch to have. Um, he will be 37 this year, so he is a an older guy. Uh, but last year, obviously, like I said, defense first because the bat numbers do not scare you much at all. Not to say that he can't hurt you, though. 69 hits last year, 12 doubles, and 15 home runs, 36 ribbies. Uh, he batted to a 191 average and a 606 OPS. So, like I said, he he's not he's not going to scare you at the dish, but he can hurt you. 15 home runs is brutal, and he's had a couple of big ones last year with Houston. Uh, and then just in the last three years alone, he's had 42 home runs. So, you know, not to say that. The bat isn't there, but it's definitely one that you don't really have to worry about. But then again, is it much better from Yasmani Grandal, whose numbers I was looking at as well? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Obviously, was a top catcher uh, when he was with teams like the Dodgers and the Brewers for that one year in 2019. He came over on a four-year deal with the White Sox, and in those four years, he was all right. He batted to 20. 226 batting average, a 718 OPS, only 44 home runs though, and only played in 356 games. Uh, last year was the only year he played over 100 games with the White Sox. Spent a lot of time on the IL as well. Um, Grandal current free agent right now as well. They decide to move on from him and go to Maldonado, get some veterans to kind of help their pitching staff because Martin Maldonado can definitely do that. So for the White Sox. From the position they sit in and the position we know they sit in, it is a, a fine move by them to go and get Maldonado. But of course, it's not the only guy they sign, as they also go out and get a relief pitcher 
in Tim Hill. Tim Hill, very excellent, very young career. Started late, uh, debuting in 2018 at the age of 28 with the Royals. Two seasons there, they flip him to San Diego where he spends his last four seasons. And um, obviously known for his funky delivery last year, which did not have it though. Um, he, uh, in 48 games, pitched to a 5.48 ERA. Before that season, he's actually done pretty good. His ERA is going backwards. 2022 was 3.56. 2021, 3.62. 2020, 4.5, and then 2019 with the Royals, uh, 3.63, and then 2018, 4.53, his rookie year there. So obviously last year, his worst year by far, but he's probably going to have a turnaround season um, with the White Sox. He's got a funky delivery, like I mentioned. Uh, he gets guys to swing and miss, especially when they're right-handed. Uh, excuse me. Left-handed. He's a left-handed pitcher. <laughs> For some reason, I mixed that up. Uh, but yeah, he's an he's an all right uh, a pitcher there. That I'm sure we'll have a bounce-back season with the White Sox. Kind of get his ERA back to the threes there, and uh, and yeah. But the White Sox make a couple of moves. Good for them. Uh, we'll see how they uh, end up panning out in 2024. All right, now let's take a look at some other pitchers that had signed this week. Uh, starting off with Josh Stalmont, who is heading to Minnesota, the Twins, on a one-year, $950,000 deal. Um, yeah, excuse me, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, it could be his sixth season. He spent all five of them with Kansas City. Uh, he's got a fastball that can tick up there around the 100-mile-an-hour mark. Last year with the Royals, 5.4 ERA uh, in 20 innings pitched. Uh, he's definitely seen better days, especially in 2021, where he had a 2.88 ERA in 64 games played. He was dealing that year. Um, the Minnesota Twins are hoping he finds that form as he comes over there. Uh, the Tigers, they're assigning Shelby Miller. Uh, to a one-year deal. Not sure how much yet. I couldn't make that out. Shelby Miller, um, quite the career he's had. He's jumped from team to team. Uh, this will be his 12th year in the majors, and he's never spent more than three years with a team. After spending most of his time in the NL, uh, teams like Arizona, St. Louis, both had him for three years. Giants, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Dodgers, Texas, Cubs, all had him for one. Uh, so he has bounced bounced, and bounced around. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this will be team number nine for Josh Chamont in the Tigers. Uh, last year, he was with the Dodgers, and he did all right for them in a short sample size. Uh, 36 games, a 1.71 ERA, 42 innings. So actually a very strong year for Shelby Miller. Probably one of his best years um, ever in his career, looking back through the numbers. He was an all-star in 2015 and was third in Rookie of the Year in 2013. Uh, but since then, his kind of path, I guess, has derailed. Uh, you know, he's had 
ERAs in the tens before with Arizona in 2018. Uh, obviously, shorter sample size. These 42 innings that he pitched the Dodgers last year was the most he has pitched in since 2019 with Texas, where his ERA was 5.59. So very good job from him by getting it down all the way to 1.71 with that LA Dodger magic. Let's see if he can hold on to it and keep it uh, when he goes to Detroit for 2024. And the last one here is that Diego Castillo has signed a minor league deal with the Rangers. And I threw him in here because I remember Castillo on the Tampa Bay Rays as a dominant arm. And um, I didn't remember him last year, and here's why. He played eight games with Seattle, pitched to a 6.23 ERA, and then was sent down to AAA where he spent the rest of 2023. So I'm hoping Diego Castillo can find some form again. He struggled with some control, and his velocity ticked down quite a bit. So uh, hopefully he can figure things out with Texas and become a good relief pitcher for them there. Uh, It's going to be his seventh year if he can make his way back to the majors. Um, in his age 30 season. So uh, hopefully Castillo uh, can figure things out for him there. So that would wrap up uh, all the signings and free agent news that happened over the past week, but it doesn't wrap up all the news that we have uh, because I wanted to mention and talk about very briefly uh, the Wander Franco situation. If you're unaware, Wander Franco has kind of been dismissed by the Rays, I guess, uh, for some allegations regarding him and relationships with minors. Um, It came out from the DR that uh, police had ransacked a couple of his places looking for him, and uh, nowhere to be found is Wander Franco. He has gone on the run and is in hiding. Um, The reason why they were doing it is because they wanted to make... Uh, to question him about some new details that apparently surfaced uh, in their case. Uh, the police said, I, I don't know exactly how it's phrased, word. I don't really have uh, much news, like like articles or stuff here with me here. Um, but basically they said that we would like to talk to him and, and had requested his appearance for questioning uh, yesterday. He did not show up for that. So... No one really knows where Juan Franco is. No one, you know, it, he, who knows what's going to happen to Juan Franco. Um, the way this is looking and the way this is panning out is likely jail time. If they can ever catch him and find him. Uh, but I believe he's played his last game in the majors. Uh, and, you know, for someone as talented as him, the race threw him the bag. And... Um, well, they're going to regret it forever. The Rays will never spend money on a player ever again. Um, but yeah, just wanted to talk about that very briefly here, I guess. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of puts a stamp here on the 2023 um, year, I guess, calendar-wise. Um, we're coming up closer. We have a full month of January and then pretty much most of February. Yeah, so February 22nd is the start of spring training. Uh, we still have a lot to go over, especially with arbitration hearings. Uh, but there is still plenty, and I mean plenty, of free agents who are not signed. Guys like Stroman, uh, pitcher-wise, if you need a catcher, Yasmani Grandal, Cody Bellinger, Josh Hader, one of the best relief pitchers, closing pitchers on the market. 
Blake Snell, a Cy Young winner. Matt Chapman, a platinum glove third baseman. Reese Hoskins, a powerful first baseman bat. Jordan Montgomery, Teoscar Hernandez, Jorge Soler, J.D. Martinez, just powerful bats in the lineup. And that only scratches the surface with some of the free agents still available. Looking at the list alone here, Lucas Giolito, Brandon Woodruff, you know, uh, Shamanea, Alex Wood, uh, Gene Segura, if someone needs him, Evan Longoria, is he done? Liam Hendricks, Clayton Kershaw, Joey Votto, Ryu, Peterson, and the list goes on and on and on. <coughs> Excuse me. So many moves still to happen. Uh... It looks, it's starting to look like January is going to be a big month for some teams here to spend some money because, like I said, there's a lot of talent in this free agent market right now. So we'll have to see what happens there. But that is going to do it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. A very short and simple episode to kind of get. Um, some of the news that we need to talk about off our plates here. Thank you everybody so much um, for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much for the year that was. Obviously, we still have a few months to go before uh, the middle of the order turns one. Uh, but I'm very thankful and appreciative to be in the position where I am right now making these uh, episodes whether they be great quality or not great quality, uh, I've had a lot of fun working on this, and uh, I'm excited to do more things for 2024. But thank you, everybody, so, 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 so much for listening, and I will see you guys in the new year, and I will see you all next time. <laughs>